This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here at the Big 8 tournament champion. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Hold up. Welcome to On the Block. Eric Strickland here alongside my partner in crime. No crime. But not yet. Not yet. Partner in love, yes, Austin Orman here. We are on the block two to four every day. You can find us here. We want to also thank our sponsors, Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. You can always go out there to 27th Pine Lake and get a taste of that great mwah, soul food. The team of Charles and the crew do a wonderful job always. They're not open today, but tomorrow you can go out there and get it anytime, anything you like, from ribs to uh, spaghetti to ooh, uh, catfish and all the succulent things and soulful yams. Oh, ooh, the yams are phenomenal. But we're going to get started today on the block. Austin, how are you doing today, my friend? Strick, I'm great, man. Just, you know, living the life, talking sports. I can't ask for anything much more than that. Man, uh, coming off the weekend, a lot of stuff in sports. Uh, XFL started. Uh, but I think we're going to start off today, man, getting into a little bit of Big Ten shoot-around. What do you think about that? That's what we're calling it. Yeah, when, we're going to call we it have, Big we Ten have a, kind of a grab bag of topics. We're just called a shoot-around. Yeah, we're going to call it a shoot-around. Uh, some of the topics we're going to talk about today will be Big Ten basketball. Uh, we have some thoughts on that. Uh, talk about what the prospects of – of the Big Ten, we want to love to discuss that with you as well on the Sutter Hammond text line, 402-464-5685. We'll talk about the Big Ten. There's an expectation that they should get about eight teams in. Uh, we still That's still up for debate, but we'll talk about how far do you think they'd be able to go. We're also going to talk a little bit about Michigan football. And the reason I want to talk about Michigan football, because we had one of our own uh, ended up making in and jumping in the transfer portal, Ernest Hausman. Uh, we'll get into that as well, and then uh, that's what we'll start off with. But we're we'll also talk about Northwestern and some of the commonalities and some of the uh, unique um, things that they share with Husker basketball a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about those and and, and, and ask your questions as well, and see how you feel about uh, our thoughts on that. So first, let's get off into it um, in the Big Ten shoot around, uh, a little hodgepodge of discussions will be short in the debate, but I'll, as I said, 402-464-5685, Sutter Heyman text line. We'd love to hear from you guys. You guys are always great. Now, here we go. Um, one of the questions that's surrounding Michigan football, uh, Austin, is um, the approaching of spring tr- spring practice. Spring practice is on its way. Um, it's about to jump off soon. Uh, yes, we have March Madness, but there is a, a huge anticipation as well for football. And, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I have a little bit of just my mind just can't grasp it fully. Because when you look at this team, they're pretty deep in the, in that position. So it, it didn't seem to make sense for me when Ernest Hausman, based on injuries, 
um, in the linebacker room for Nebraska, finds himself starting, getting like about, I think, 57 tackles or something like that in the 50s. And and he makes a, a, a shift and transfers to Michigan. And, and Michigan, yes, there's – there's a there's a thought that this their linebacker room is probably the weakest part of their uh, of their team, and it's definitely is part of that is because of their pass coverage. They they just they were good at tackling, but they just really didn't do very well in pass coverage. So now heading into 2023, uh, depth was a concern, but I don't think that's the case now because they recruited heavy in that position, but also they had some transfers that came in. Uh, they have Colson and Barrett that are now back. Uh, Nakai Hill Green is healthy. Uh, he had some uh, injuries. Jimmy Rolder, he came in late as a freshman. And then they add Ernest Hausman. Uh, so you have a very deep uh, team at the linebacker position. So it didn't make sense to me why he would go. Is he betting on himself, Austin, do you think? Or or is he just – was he just wanted to be on a winning program? Or what do you I, think? I, I, I could see either of those explanations. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the reason he left was that Barrett Rude wasn't retained mm. and you know how important relationships are. But when I look at Michigan and what's going on with them – Strict, they have a new linebacker coach and the guy that was his primary recruiter from Michigan, Mike McDonald, back to the NFL. Not with Michigan anymore. Yeah. So if it's about relationships, I I can't say that it is, you know, in this situation. So to me, given that his coach at Nebraska is gone and the two guys he would have talked to in the recruiting process at Michigan are no longer with that program, it strikes me that it is probably about winning, that he wants to go someplace you know, and experience that high level of success. Michigan, you know, the two years in a row in the college football playoff. Nebraska can't match that, plain and simple. Now, it's a little disappointing as a Nebraska kid who was the first commit in his class, did a lot of peer recruiting, that he wouldn't want to stick around and, you know, be that guy on the next Nebraska team. But Michigan doesn't really have a whole lot proven at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, Junior Colson, someone I think a lot of people out there are excited about, but he's still raw. You know, yeah. as, as a sophomore, he does lead the team in tackles, only six for loss, two sacks. Athletically, he's probably there. How much does he grasp the scheme? Is he able to step in? And then Michael Barrett, who was second on the team in tackles with 72, five for loss, three and a half of them for sacks and a couple picks. A fine player, but nothing, you know, absolutely elite. So maybe it's Ernest Hausman saying, okay, I saw what I could do at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I want to see if I can do this, you know, at, on a similar stage, still the Big Ten stage, but elevate it. You're going to be playing in the East where it's Michigan, Ohio State. Can Penn State make a run? Does Michigan State bounce back? Whereas in the West, it's still just a jumbled mess. Strick, I don't know if you can trust anyone in the Big Ten West, and it's almost impossible to say that any of those games will have the same magnitude that they would in the East. So Mm. I hope that it's just Ernest Hausman wants to challenge himself at a little bit of a higher level than he thinks Nebraska could Could provide provide for him. Mm -hmm. Um, On the text line, someone's saying it's called tampering and it's exactly what Harbaugh did after the Michigan-Nebraska game. Maybe. Could be. I don't want to accuse anyone of that without knowing for sure. Mm -hmm. Right. So I hope it wasn't that. I, I hope it was, you know, just on the up and up and Ernest Hausman wanted this change of scenery, but... In this day and age of college football, I suppose you can't write tampering off. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so that's that's just something that was interesting. Interesting. If uh, give us your thoughts on it. Um, you know, you know, what do you think about the loss of an Ernest Houseman? Uh, does it matter? I know that they they love his speed and they love the abilities, being that they did lack some areas as far as their their coverage, and he can probably provide a little bit for that. Let's 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 move over and continue to shoot around, and let's move over to Northwestern. Northwestern going into 2017, um, they. They uh, in, ended up going to the NCAA tournament, um, won 24 games uh, that year. Things were looking on the up and up. Um, they looked like that was their first time actually getting there. They ended up winning uh, a game and, and making it really tough on a Gonzaga team uh, that was favored hugely a couple of nights later. They gave them a scare, uh, beating Vanderbilt first, 24-win team, come in the next season at 19th ranked in the AP 25, find themselves uh, <laughs> uh, dropping uh, seven of their final uh, – well, seven of their final uh, games and then uh, ended up with a 15-17 and 17 record. And so the outcome of that – kind of left them a little bit of you can understand a little bit Austin because of the fact that they were not playing in Welsh Ryan Arena due to renovations they were not playing on campus so you know you can understand maybe that then uh, then that remnant team kind of moves on they have a 19 loss season in 2018 and 19 um Collins did something and this is where I find the commonality he does something where he recognizes he needs to push a reset button. And I think Fred Hoiberg, this is where Fred Hoiberg came to the same conclusion, uh, a style that he wanted to play coming in. He has to reset. He has to let some of the, the, the coaches that he had great relationships with, closeness with, he had to let them go, bring in a new regime, change the culture. That reset happens. And Collins did the same where he committed to youth. You have Bowie. Nance, Young, Chase Audige, Robbie Barron. Great experience. But then you have Nance depart, 6'10", stretch forward. He departs, makes his way to, I think he ends up going to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Young departs, and then you're left with just great guard play. And you come into the season, and then your AD does not give you. Same thing. Same thing here, I'm sure. I'm then we're not we're not gonna say Trev did that, sat down with him, looked him in the eye, and says, You're hey, you gotta make it happen or you're out of here. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. We don't know that for sure, but we can kind of sense the commonality there. He says, uh, takes his backcourt, they make an adjustment, defense becomes their identity, great guard play, probably two of the uh the best guards in the conference right now, as you can say. And look what happens. They find themselves second in the conference. They do. Again, it's maybe not all or nothing ultimatum because Northwestern hasn't, you know, been a, a basketball power. Yeah. Not a lot of success to write home about for that basketball program. So you, you can respect Northwestern's AD for wanting to create a new standard, but Chris Collins has been fine. Not good. Not a lot of good seasons. You, know, you get that first NCAA tournament win, but for Northwestern standards, Chris Collins has been generally fine. But this is where you credit the AD for saying, okay, something's got to change. What are you going to do? And what does he do? He keeps his two most important players around. Pete Nance was probably the best player last year. I think he can do the most and would get the most headlines. But again, we talked about it either late last week or earlier this week. What wins in Mm -hmm. college basketball? Old guards win basketball Mm -hmm. games. You have two of them around in Boo Booey and Chase Adige, who are guys that can go get their own shots on offense. They're willing to dish it off when they get in the paint. But they're also good defensively. 
not maybe not you know the toughest on ball defenders, but they're opportunistic mm-hmm. defenders. They're they go for the ball. They get their steals. Ty Berry is yeah. a guy that steps in. Robbie Barron feels like he's been around for eighty years. <laughs> Again, a solid role player. Yeah. And it's all coalescing. So credit, you know, the A D for pushing his coach to make that change. Credit the coach for, you know, keeping the important guys around, letting yeah. them grow together, develop into really a team, not just a collection of players here for a year, but actually a team in Northwestern. And I think that work over the last four years is paying off. Well, I mean, I, I just see the commonalities there, and I really do think that uh, obviously with the loss of Griesel, who has brought great senior leadership, Bandemil as well, tremendous on-ball defender, uh, the key is going to be trying to find someone to fill that void on next year. Who is it going to be? Who's going to step in? There's going to be open opportunities for those in, in-house as well as probably in the transfer portal to be able to see what's out there for them in those positions because that's going to be a key to running the ship. Uh, you know that you're if you can retain Casey Tamanaga, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have some of the, the you know the aspects of what has been a tremendous run towards the late part of the season. And hopefully the losses, the things that Northwestern endured, uh, throwing their younger guys into the fire and losing those close games and losing those uh, those those down the stretch situations and games you probably should have won, and now you're gonna you're gonna potentially look at a turnaround. And so that's where I see the commonality. What do you think? Do you think that uh, Nebraska could make that leap? Do you think that they could find themselves in a similar situation uh, with an open pretty much <laughs> Big Ten right now? Uh, and uh, some of the big the big names are going to be leaving, and what's that going to mean for some of those programs? Three uh, Big Ten teams now are ranked in the top 20. You have Purdue at 5, Northwestern at 21, and Indiana at 17, but third in the conference. And my thing is, the pundits say that Big Ten may get 8. If they get 8, Sutter Heyman text line 402-464-5685, how I want to know from you, how many Big Ten teams do you think can get to the Sweet 16, if any? Um, who do you see? It, it, it's, it's so crazy. I mean, Michigan looked like they're about to fall off the map again, 15-12 and 12 record, but they go and get a big one. Mm-hmm. against Michigan State, which c- continues to create this huge hodgepodge in the middle of the conference. Uh, Purdue um, looked as if they were going to run away with it. Now it's only a game and a half up on on Northwestern and only two and a half up on on the Hoosiers. And we talked about that one time on the block that is, is it over for them? Did they already just mm-hmm. land it? No, there's still games left. Still there. They've still, got, they've still got some work to do. So how many teams, Austin, do you think or do you perceive could be able to land uh, in the Sweet 16 or beyond? Purdue, I think, still can. Need the right matchup, need the guards to step up, but Purdue can. Northwestern has the guards. I think they've got a shot. Indiana, I'm not so sure about. Mm. Trace Jackson Davis has to be man among boys. Yeah. If he, he's the key for Indiana. I know that they have Jalen Hutchifino, who's really stepped up, but Trace Jackson Davis is the key. So Who gets in? Who gets in? Um, since, you, since you're saying really only two, well, basically. I, I was talking my way through the standings. Okay, okay. I still think Illinois has another level. Really? I still think they do. They might be this year's answer to last year's North Carolina. Mm. 
I, so you, they're, they're, they're their sleeper. They're, they're dark horse. Okay. okay. They, they've got to put it all together. They've got to prove it, but they're a sleeper to me. Maryland is going to get in, but they're not good away from home, so I wouldn't trust them to do anything. Yeah. Iowa still refuses to play defense. The offense is good, but not as elite as it has been, so I can't trust them. Rutgers has a tough formula, but again, I don't think their offensive ceiling is high enough that I trust them. Mm-hmm. They could. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would predict it. Michigan, I'm out on. Michigan State has those guards in Hogard and Walker that are really good players. So I could see Tom Izzo working his magic to get them to the Sweet 16, and that's about it. So I'll say for sure Purdue Northwestern, I would give a chance. Illinois, Michigan State. So I'd, I'd give four teams a, a chance. Okay. But who do you – who do you? Re- I, see you, I see your chance, but who do you think really can make a run beyond the 16? I can't tell you that unless I see matchup strict. That's, that's and so that's, much that's, that's, that is that is huge. I, I would say I would say past the Sweet Sixteen, I could see Purdue. I could see Purdue doing that. Uh, I, I still think the youth in their guard play, but I still think they're they're pretty solid, especially in the front court to be able to do it. I love the guard play of Northwestern. Um, I could see them breaking a barrier. Those are the two for me. Uh, my dark horse would 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 be. Um, I, I, my dark horse would be Michigan if they can get in. If Michigan doesn't get in and, and like, Michigan State's able to get in, I could see them, Though, depending on who would get in. Um, but for me, I don't even know if they get eight, but it's possible. It's possible when you have that many teams at above <laughs> 500 record, who's going to end up ultimately there. There's still games left to be played. But I could see at least six of them getting in, maybe two getting past the Sweet 16. What do you think? What do you guys think? Do you feel that there's other teams that are going to be able to get the Sauter Heyman text lines always open to you? We, we've got a couple Go ahead. from the Bring text line. Now, Scott says Purdue and Rutgers as Sweet 16 teams. Uh, Mr. Unlimited said Northwestern is fraudulent. Use the F word. Use fraudulent. <laughs> he said it. Uh, but he agrees with me and says Illinois has another gear they haven't consistently shown. Uh, again, Illinois showed it early in the season. They had some, some drama there that they backed off of uh, – playing quite as well, but I, I still think there's another gear in Illinois, too. And someone on the Twitch stream says, only Purdue. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can normally say that. I think do I think matchups are important, too. So mm-hmm. I, it's tough, but I, I would say, barring any matchups, I can only see two. Two. Just barring matchups, right. just throwing it out mm-hmm. there in the wind, I can any only see. Night. Any given mm-hmm. night, I can only see two Big Ten teams going. I just... I just, I just, they, they just don't give me enough consistency across the board, um, and I just don't know. I just, I just don't. How feel much it. danger is Purdue in of falling off the one line? I don't think they fall off the one line. I don't think, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I, I, you know? That's a good question. They could, they could easily be. I think, I think the team to keep your eye on again, man, it's got to be Kansas right now. The Kansas is just the one that's really just showing. A little bit more moxie than mm-hmm. than anybody out there right now. I mean, mm-hmm. there's really not anybody else I can can look look around in, in the standings and feel confident about. Um, you know, the, the the things that surprise me is the North Carolinas and the likes of them that are going out. Um, who in the ACC? You know, there's just a lot of discussion. We can't really get into it right now, but that is our Big Ten shoot-around for right now. Continue to hit us on the Sauter Heyman text line, 402-464-5685. What's your thoughts? How do you feel? How many do you think of Big Ten uh, schools will be able to get beyond 
the uh, uh, the uh, Sweet 16, and who do you think they are? We'd love to hear from you from that. Uh, but we've got to take a break. We've got to what – we, what do we got coming up? Emergency alert system. Ah, we got emergency. And Andy Markowski. Andy Markowski will be joining us on the Honda Lincoln Hotline.